All right, Zero Brightness Plus. This is a very special episode for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's a reminder, um, as I have for the past couple of years, I'm going to take January off. There will not be episodes of the main show during January. There will be episodes, however, of this show, Zero Brightness Plus, on the Patreon. And as I have for the past few years, I'm going to put out a bonus episode during that time. And it'll be this one. So, if you're listening to this in December, chances are you're a patron. Hi, hello, thank you. And if you're hearing this later in January, have you considered joining the Patreon? <laughs> it's at patreon.com slash brightness. There are bonus episodes of the show, uh, extra content, videos, playlists, music. Uh, Clovis is here. Or she was here. She disappeared. It was really crazy. Anyway, the other reason this episode is special is I'm trying to get ahead of another thing I always do, which is right after I do kind of like year-end wrap-up stuff, I end up playing another game right at the end of the year that I end up loving and ends up being like one of the best games I played that year. I do it every year. It's like the last few days of the year, I get super obsessed with a new game and I'm like, shit, I wish I would have played this earlier. So one thing you may have noticed this year that's a little different is I didn't do any year-end lists. And the reason I didn't was that was a couple reasons. Number one, I didn't actually play that many games this year. Like there were definitely some times when I just was not playing video games as much as I normally do, if at all, because I put out uh, like three records this year, maybe four. I don't know. I put out a lot of music this year and there was a lot of work getting all the promo materials together in addition to finishing the music and you know, coordinating the releases and doing shows and all that stuff. So I was very busy with music. So there were times when I wasn't really playing a ton of video games. I also like because of that, that kind of dovetailed with another issue, which was that I was kind of just playing the big releases that came out this year. Like I barely played any like indie games. I barely played any shorter games. So when I was thinking about doing a year-end list, I was like, God, it's just going to be like the most boring list ever, right? It's going to be like Resident Evil 4, Armored Core 6, Tears of the Kingdom. It's like literally if you just go back and look through the main episodes and Zero Brightness episodes of the show, you can see all the big games that I liked. You know, there's probably a couple big games that I wouldn't put on the list. Um, but nothing shocking. Nothing's going to shock anyone. I didn't feel like doing it. It just seemed like so boring. It was a good reminder to me that next year I definitely need to play more indie stuff and be a little more proactive about checking out smaller games and shorter games. You know, that's something I enjoy and I used to be better at, but I don't know if it was just my lifestyle this year or if it was just the fact that there were so many big releases. I think it's some combinations of both where I was just like Resident Evil, Zelda, Armored Core, Demon Souls, like um, that was my diet this year. So anyway, um, what I want to do with this episode is highlight a game that I'm playing now that I fucking love and kind of give it its flowers. Um, this also mirrors my experience with Tunic, 
which I started playing at the end of 2022 and then finished in like January 2023. I put out kind of a short little essay bonus episode about it on the main channel. Um, if you haven't heard that, you should. And if you haven't played Tunic, you should play Tunic. Um, Tunic is incredible. I think I'm gonna replay Tunic soon and do kind of the new game plus extra content stuff because that game is just so phenomenal. Um, but yeah, I did it again this time with Lies of P. So I wanted to jump on here, um, do this episode, tell you about Lies of P because I fucking love this game. This game is so, so, so good. Uh, yes, it is the best Souls-like easily. I think it could actually go toe-to-toe -to -toe with a lot of the FromSoft stuff. It's a phenomenal game. If you're into these type of games, and if you're not, it might actually be a decent entry point into the style of game, question mark. I think I'll get to that later, but yeah, I just wanted to hop on and talk to you guys about it. Now, if you have talked to me about this game or heard me talk about this game for whatever reason, uh, you might know that I played the demo when it came out and I didn't like it. And here's the deal with that. So they put out this Lies of P demo a few months ago now, and I played it because I was curious. I was kind of going in as like a Lies of P agnostic. A lot of people were just ready to believe. They were ready for the, you know, Pinocchio Souls to be the best game ever. And I wasn't necessarily. I was like, let's see, maybe it's good, maybe it's not. Uh, the demo for me was terrible. Um, it ran really poorly, which is very odd. Um, it felt really janky and unoptimized, um, which is odd because the final game is not like that at all, like at all. Um, the final game is very well optimized. It runs extremely well. It's a beautiful game. I even just, I let the settings auto detect. So it's running on like medium settings and it looks incredible. I don't even know why I need anything more. Um, but yeah, you know, I've had no glitches. I haven't encountered a bug. Like it's a very, very polished game. Another reason why it kind of has like a sort of a, a real from soft feel to it. Um, but for some reason, the demo was not like that. Even like if you look at my video, I made a video of it. The first thing I noticed was the character's run cycle was fucked up and it kind of looked like he was floating across the ground instead of running on it. And I was like, well, right away, that's kind of fucking weird, right? So like there was stuff like that. The other thing is uh, it's a problem that was in the demo and is also in the final game, but it was a much bigger issue in the demo. And that is that this game does not at all tell you how it wants to be played. It has tutorials technically, but they're dog shit. And it's frustrating because I don't think this game needed like Banjo-Kazooie levels of like, oh, go, hey there, here's what happens when you press Y. But like they could have just put one giant flashing text box that says don't dodge block and like that would have fixed <laughs> every issue I had with the game because them not telling you that is super frustrating because here's the deal and, and I'll tell you how I got into this game and I'll pass along this knowledge to you I got into this game because like it had been on the list I was like you know after the playing the demo not really liking it I was like okay whenever this game goes on a decent sale I'm gonna buy it and I think right now if the sale that I 
bought it on is still on. It was like 20% off. So not mind blowing, but you know, it's decent, right? Um, and so at the same time this game went on sale, I watched a couple videos on it. I watched the Iron Pineapple video and I watched the Joseph Anderson video. Two, you know, souls YouTubers, as cursed as that phrase is, that's what they are, that's what they do, that I'm kind of like, I'm 50-50 on. Sometimes I like watching their stuff and I like hearing what they have to say and sometimes I find them to be unfortunately very annoying. Um, because most Souls fans are really annoying and sometimes their takes are so like from soft brained where it's just like, well, we all know these are the gate, the greatest games ever and you know, nothing else exists. So anyway, here's my thoughts on the game. And I find that really kind of frustrating and annoying, but both of them had good takes on this game and the Joseph Anderson video in particular was really helpful because he explains what I just explained to you, which is that this game has a very weird block system or you know combat system in general where you're supposed to kind of play it like Sekiro where you're sort of like blocking everything in real time like you're actively blocking and occasionally you know parrying using that same system rather than either just holding the block button like you would in Dark Souls or just dodging everything like you also can do in most Soulsborne games. In the beginning of the game the dodge is like kind of useless, which is really interesting. And I'll talk about it more when I talk about the combat, but yeah, you're really supposed to block everything. So if the game just said, Hey, don't dodge block everything. I think I would have, I would not have had a single issue with the game. And when I played it again, knowing that I breezed through the intro and I was like, Oh, okay. I immediately understood the game. And then from there I could actually start to like get into it. So those were the two really frustrating things about playing the demo was like the demo was jank and also I didn't get how the game was supposed to be played. Once I did, I enjoyed it a lot more. The other thing is that, I don't know, the demo, they sort of just put the intro to the game in the demo, but they also make some weird cuts and edits. So there's like one big thing that's different. And I don't really think it shows off the best parts of the game. Like I think they, would have done themselves more favor by like choosing just like a, a different segment of the game that's a better vertical slice and just letting people play that. Um, like the demo could have been shorter, but it also could have been just like a more effective chunk of the game. But really it's neither here nor there. Once I started actually playing the game, I totally fell in love with it. I think it's great. And now I'm gonna tell you why. So let's start here. Lies of P has an incredible, incredible combat system. So there's a lot of stuff to love in this game, but I think that at a basic level, the combat system is really, really great. And I find it to be really fascinating because like a lot of stuff in this game, it pulls from various different FromSoft games and it kind of makes something new out of those parts. Like if there's kind of a TLDR for everything I'm going to say, it's that. The game is clearly influenced by FromSoft. They're explicitly pulling parts and design ideas and stuff from other FromSoft games, but the way that they put them together into their game is really unique and really cool. So with the combat system, it is like a mix of a bunch of different FromSoft games. A lot of people's first impression of this game, self-included, was that it's just a Bloodborne ripoff because it looks like Bloodborne. 
It has the health regeneration mechanic from Bloodborne. It just felt like that's what they were going for. But when you actually play the game, if you have that mindset, it's kind of shocking because it doesn't really play like Bloodborne at all. If I had to describe the combat in this game, it would be, you know, on a base level, it's like old school souls combat. It's kind of slow and it's kind of heavy. It's not super fast paced, but it has a big, big dose of Sekiro in it. The reason I say that is number one, the animations in the game are very long and complex. Um, you're definitely supposed to be paying very close attention to them and they can go on for some time. So it requires some skill to like deal with them. The other thing is that this game has what I would call kind of an active blocking mechanic. Um, so in Sekiro, the way that blocking works is you're supposed to tap block as attacks are coming in. And if you tap it in time, you block. If you tap it in the perfect time, you do kind of like a parry. Now, this is different from an old school Dark Souls style block and parry system where usually you're using either a shield or a heavy weapon. Um, the way you block is just that you hold block and it transfers the damage a little bit to your health bar, but mostly to your stamina bar. And then if you want to parry, parry is L2. And you can only do it if you have a shield that has the parry ability on it. And so that's kind of the old school Souls way, like coming from Dark Souls 1, of blocking and parrying. And that's something that like all the Dark Souls games use and Elden Ring used as well. Elden Ring had a really flexible like weapon and ability system, so it's a little bit different. Like you have more flexibility, but still at its core, the same idea. Sekiro is not like that. It's just you're tapping to hold your weapon up to block an attack with your weapon. And then if your timing is good, you can parry. And then there's certain other like deeper mechanics related to that. So in that way, Lies of P is like Sekiro. You're supposed to be tapping the block button as attacks are coming in. And if your timing is perfect, you'll parry. This is also tied to a hidden posture meter, like in Elden Ring, right? Like Elden Ring has the posture meter from Sekiro, but it's hidden and you can't see it, which I actually really like in Elden Ring and Lies of P. So essentially you're supposed to be blocking and parrying as much as you can. As you do that, you'll break down the enemy. If you break the enemy's posture, you can then hit him with a charged heavy attack and then a light attack and that combo will do essentially a backstab like you get a free backstab on an enemy if you break their posture and then do that combo so that's the heart of the combat and you're really supposed to do that and not dodge and my suggestion honestly is to just not dodge at all until you understand those basic mechanics and are comfortable with those mechanics and it's not a big ask because when you start out in this game your dodge sucks like it does level up and um, get better with a couple different like upgrades and abilities as the game goes on but at the beginning of the game it's like the starting dodge in dark souls 2 where it's like tiny it's a tiny bunny hop and it has no iframes and it's super frustrating if you try and play this like bloodborne or like a souls game where you dodge a lot because like the dodge sucks that's another interesting thing about this combat is that makes it feel a lot more like Dark Souls than 
either Bloodborne or Sekiro is that the dodge is really weird and small. It's more effective as a sidestep than it is as like a jump back, which is really different from Bloodborne because in Bloodborne you have this mega huge dodge, especially backwards. So like Dark Souls, it's usually like dodging to the side is more effective. Bloodborne is the one game where dodging backwards is really effective. And the other thing here is that with some of the larger bosses and enemies, just running around or running back is actually way more effective than dodging in any direction. I guess this highlights another thing is that you have to play this game as its own game. Just like a real FromSoft game, you can't go in thinking, oh, well, I'll play it like Dark Souls because I've played a lot of Dark Souls. You'll just get wrecked doing that. Like You have to approach it as a new, unique game where you'll have to learn the combat system and learn the mechanics. That's another pro tip for all my game pros out there. Now, the thing about this combat system that I love is that it is really, really fun and really, really strategic. I think in terms of pure strategy, like chess moves and plays and things like that, I'm not sure if I've encountered another combat system that is as robust and fun to use as the combat system in Lies of P. Like, Whenever people talk about FromSoft games, there is always that discussion of like combat strategy and how the strategy you employ in combat is such a cool part of the games. And that's true, but like I find that more often than not, it's just as effective to like be cheesy and annoying and do dumb shit and like kind of like game the system as it is to engage with any of these games in like a pure strategy sort of way. Lies of P is like a game that's built around that idea of pure strategy. And once you actually get a handle on the mechanics and get your character build going, I think this becomes like a really, really fun part of the game. And what I mean by that is that every combat encounter, whether it's like a group of normal enemies, a mini boss or a boss, everything becomes this really fun and really strategic encounter. So like, you know, an enemy comes at you, you start blocking just trying to get a read on their animations and a handle on like what moves they have, then you might start, you know, maybe dodging or running around to try and hit them from the back or get a different, you know, type of attack on them. You'll see, you know, how fast they can move, how fast they can evade or change directions. And then eventually you'll start really engaging with them. And then you have to make all these little decisions. So it's like, well, obviously my default is I'm just going to block and try and parry and break their stance. But also like maybe they go in for a really big attack and I decide to dodge out of the way or I decide to just run. There are also these weird like undodgeable attacks that you have to parry and the enemy glows red. Um, it's only weird because it's like the opposite of Sekiro where like when that happens in Sekiro, you have to dodge and you can't block. In this game, it's you have to block and you can't dodge, but you can run away. And then you also have um, abilities with your characters like mechanical arm. You might have long range attacks depending on what you have equipped. You have throwing items like you have all of these different options and it makes the combat so fun and so strategic. And I just have 
been having so much fun engaging with this game because it's actually at its core very simple. In a lot of ways, this game kind of reminds me of Code Vein, where it's like a more balanced and definitely a less difficult version of like a classic FromSoft game. But what I think they've achieved here is a game where all the mechanics are relatively simple and really fun to use. Like there's nothing that just feels like bullshit or filler. Um, so like, for example, in Code Vein, there was this weird thing they added to kind of spice up the backstab mechanic, which was the drain system where like you were supposed to have drain attacks and equip them and use different control sets to do drain attacks and blah, blah, blah. But they also just put in normal backstabs from Dark Souls in the game. And so I just never used the drain system because it was way overcomplicated, a huge waste of time. And it's like, well, if you just know how to do backstabs, why wouldn't you just do backstabs? Why would you fuck around with this whole system? In Lies of P, the way that they've spiced up the backstab mechanic is genius, right? Because it's what I described earlier, where it's like you're trying to break the enemy's stance and then you do like a charged R2 and then a normal attack and you get a backstab in the middle of combat. And you can do it to bosses, anyone, right? It's so cool because like it's not easy to do. It takes a minute to get the hang of, but once you do, it like totally changes your combat strategy and it makes these fights have such a more exciting and fun risk reward proposition because like you're fighting with dudes you're trying to find openings and get in there maybe you like break posture but the enemy like doesn't stop long enough for you to get a charged r2 off so you have to fight them some more and wait for an opening maybe you go for that charged r2 fail and then they regain their posture and you have to start over like or the same thing happens but you do get the r2 off just in time and then you get a backstab that kills a boss like that's so exciting and awesome and like those are the moments when you're playing a souls game where you're like yes this fucking rocks like that's the most exciting and fun moments of those games this is a game where all its systems feel kind of tailor-made to create those moments for you and keep you having those super fun and exciting like photo finish moments so yeah the combat on a basic level it rocks but what about numbers go up, you say? Well, this game has fantastic upgrade systems, and I want to talk about all of them, because they're all so good. So let's start with your basic character building mechanic. The character stat screen looks exactly like a FromSoft Soulsborne game. You know, nothing unexpected there. They did do my biggest pet peeve where they changed the name of all the stats to dumb shit that nobody can understand, which is like, Dude, shut up. We all get strength, dex, whatever. Fucking stop it. But beyond that, I think what they do in this game is, is very, very cool. And that's because this system interlocks with the game's other upgrade systems, mostly the weapon system, to create this really, really fun to use and super flexible character loadout system, right? So in this game, there are not a ton of options for character builds. I think technically there's like five, but two of them are honestly kind of fucking weird. So I think that for most people on your first play, you're either going to do a strength build or a dex build. And you get three options when you start the game. I think it's like strength, dex, or balanced. 
Um, strength starts you with like a heavy weapon, like a great sword. Dex starts you with a rapier, just like in a Souls game. And then balance starts you with like kind of a knight's sword. Um, balance kind of sucks. Uh, so I, I would do strength or dex. I think that's what most people do. I did dex for this game. So you start playing the game, you kind of understand how all this shit works, and you're like, okay, I need to level dex mostly while also making sure that I'm building up my stamina bar and my carrying capacity and a little bit of health, you know, all that good stuff. But where this gets interesting is the weapon system. And the weapon system in this game is fucking exquisite. Now, it's also very weird because we just did that Parasite Eve episode. And I was saying, I love the weapon upgrade system in Parasite Eve. I wish more people would do this or that I could see this in more games. And then here comes fucking Liza P. And it basically has the weapon upgrade system from Parasite Eve in it. Or at least like something very similar in spirit. And it fucking rocks. So in this game, almost all the weapons you find besides these like special boss weapons, which I don't know, maybe I'll talk about later. But Almost all the weapons you find can be broken down into two parts. So you get a complete weapon, but if you want, you can dissemble it into the blade and the handle. And you can then reassemble it with any other parts in the game. Now, this is cool for a few reasons. Number one, you can do what I was talking about in the Parasite Eve episode, which is where you can make these horrible Sid from Toy Story style monstrosity weapons that just shouldn't exist and it's really awesome but the other reason it's so cool is that you can essentially break the game and make character building low-key kind of pointless because the way that the weapon building system works is that the blade is what gets leveled up in the exact same way as it would in an in like dark souls for example so you find the upgrade materials you need you go to a blacksmith she you know, raises the attack, but the scaling and the special abilities come from the handle. And that can also be upgraded with different items. So basically, let's say you're me, you're playing a dex build and you're like, I wish I had a slightly bigger weapon that hits a little bit harder. Well, you can get a big blade and upgrade that blade and then attach it to the handle of your rapier. And depending on what blade you choose, some of them are going to be more or less compatible with the handle that you've chosen. And so you can kind of accidentally walk into some amazing combinations. And I walked into one right in the beginning of the game that I still use sometimes. Like I kind of just stopped using it last night, but it was like the blade of the starting great sword grafted onto the handle of the starting rapier with the deck scaling on the handle maxed out and the blade upgraded as much as I could. And that particular blade works really well with the rapier handle because it it's still fast, like it's faster than a greatsword, but it does a fuck ton of damage. It's a little bit slower than like the normal rapier, but the damage output makes up for it. There's also some really interesting combinations that don't work that will kind of make you rethink how you're using the weapon system and also seek out different materials to use in your loadout. So one example is I found this saw blade that does a ton of damage. And just for fun, I was like, well, let me see if I can just stick this on the same handle I've been using and get this really 
high damage output saw blade. It didn't work because the saw blade doesn't do any piercing damage. And you can see it physically on the blade. It has a flat edge, right? So there's a nice little points for reals in there where like if you poked at an enemy with something with a flat edge, it wouldn't do any damage. But then I found a greatsword handle that functions more like a normal greatsword handle that actually had deck scaling, which is relatively rare because they pretty much all have strength scaling. So I took that handle, I upgraded it to have even better deck scaling, and then I put the saw blade on it, and I just had this insane weapon. It was a great sword, right? Like it was slow, heavy, had all the same animations as a great sword, except it scaled on decks instead of strength. So suddenly I could be this giant, heavy hitting great sword wielder, even though I'm a dex build. Like in a Dark Souls game, that would not be a thing I could do without respecing my character. And that's like what truly blew my mind and kind of opened me up to all the possibilities of the combination of the character upgrade system and the weapon system in this game. Cause it's like, oh, you can just go in any direction you want and you can experiment and find really cool, crazy things to do with these systems. The other thing I really love about this is disassembling and assembling weapons is free. You can do it at any save point, like any bonfire. It doesn't cost items. It doesn't like ruin anything. Like if you're taking stuff apart and putting it back together, there's not like a limited amount of times you can do that. And I fucking love that because it adds this element of experimentation that you can do at any time to a game that is generally working within a framework or a system like the whole Soulsborne style where everything is supposed to come with a heavy penalty. Everything should, you know, uh, make the player incur a heavy cost. And this mechanic is really cool because it kind of goes totally against that and says, hey, you want to experiment and fuck around for free and not have to grind and not have to farm and whatever? Here you go have fun and it actually makes the game so much more fun it actually like really helps avoid that feeling of being stuck because if something isn't going well you're like hey let me just try a different weapon that's how i discovered that like saw blade combo that works was that i was in a place where i was not doing good damage to the enemies i was encountering at all but i was like leveled enough and i was like huh i think they're just really strong to pierce damage or something like that. Let me try something that's more of a slash damage. And then suddenly I was just mowing everybody down. And that was something that I just did through experimentation. I didn't like have to grind. I didn't have to farm. And that's just like so cool. And that's so fun. And once again, just like I said in the Parasite Eve episode, I love this type of system because it makes you feel like your inventory is full of cool useful stuff that's like helpful to you and not just junk and tchotchkes um and i love that that is such an improvement on a game in this style in my opinion like i feel like that's so much better than um you know just having an inventory full of crap that you'll never touch or never use and once again it's empowering to the player it makes them feel like they have options they have fun stuff they can try and you know they're not just like constantly getting beaten down by the game
That's another thing I love about this game. The difficulty is incredibly balanced. And some of that is obviously game design and enemy design, but a lot of that is the upgrade systems as well. So like you have so many systems that are helping you upgrade your character and improve things about the game, including things that you might not like or find annoying. Like a lot of those things will get upgraded and possibly fixed for you if you just like keep playing the game, like your tenacity will be rewarded. Like in addition to the normal character leveling and the weapon system, there's also other upgrade systems. There's one that is called I have to say it now. The P organ. I, I'm not going to say anything about that. We're going to breeze past it. But this system is essentially a AAA adventure game style skill tree where you put items in slots. So there's like an upgrade item you collect. You put them in the slots. And as you, you know, fill the slots, you unlock nodes. Each node is like a big ability. Like maybe you get another charge on your Estus flask style healing item um, or maybe you get like an improvement to your dodge for example or you know something like that but each little um, item that you put in also gives you a smaller perk and you get to choose what those are and there's this huge you know menu that you get to choose from and some of those are actually kind of game changing like They'll improve your basic attacks. They'll improve the effectiveness of your healing or your dodging. They'll like one of them, like add some iframes to your dodge, which is like, whoa, holy shit, you know? So like it's this whole crazy system that also like centralizes a bunch of stuff that's way more diffuse in something like Dark Souls, you know, where like in order to improve your Estus Flask, you got to find this item or if you want, you know, this perk, you have to go do this side quest or blah, blah, blah. In this game, it's all centralized to just one skill tree where you find these quartz items and then slowly fill in the skill tree. It's a great improvement. It's a great piece of streamlining. There's also the whole system with your arm. I kind of briefly mentioned it earlier, but you have a mechanical arm. You can craft new arms, um, upgrade the arms, have extra abilities. Uh, these add everything from like... Uh, strong melee attacks to ranged attacks like uh, you can use a flamethrower you can use basically like a grenade launcher it's really cool like right now i basically just have like a mine thrower on my arm and it's really really awesome and i love it but all of these things like massively balance out the difficulty in the game because this is a difficult game for sure especially now i would say i'm about like 60 percent of the way through the game and the difficulty is starting to kick up a lot, but I still don't find myself feeling frustrated or even really getting stuck on bosses. Another cool thing they've done here is in the spirit of Dark Souls 2, they've given you NPC companions for all the most crazy and frustrating bosses and especially the ones where there are multiple targets. There will be a little thing there that lets you summon an NPC helper this is something I loved about Dark Souls 2 and Elden Ring as well. I think both of those games are fantastic at giving players that are playing offline options to deal with difficult bosses and areas. Like in Elden Ring, you just had system after system after system that allowed you to summon help or stack up helpers when facing a really difficult challenge. In Dark Souls 2, you had you know really flexible ability systems as well as way more summonable NPCs for bosses. 
in both games, I think it massively evened out that boss difficulty. And Lies of P is exactly like that. Once again, I have not really felt stuck or frustrated at a boss. The most stuck I got was a boss that took me maybe five or six tries and I did it all in one night. It's just a very balanced game. And I think coming from FromSoft games, it's really, really refreshing. I think the game feels breezy. It feels more fun to play. It feels less punishing, but it's mostly because like I said, you have so many options and a lot of them don't cost anything. They just require you to mess around with the game systems, to engage with the game systems and to experiment. And I love that design style and philosophy. My feeling on like why this game is the way it is, and it is just like a theory, but it feels like the people who made this game have played a fuck ton of Souls games at a very high level, and they understand those games really well. And with this game, it feels like they were trying to take some of those high level play style elements and just build them into the design of this game so that anyone could pick up and play and get that same experience. And that's something that even FromSoft hasn't even like tried to do in their games. Like they definitely will incorporate things from the way that the players play the game into the actual design. And over time, you'll see that kind of happen, but they've never really done anything like this. I think Lies of P is the most accessible and playable Soulsborne game, but it's also the best Souls-like game because it's not made by FromSoft. It's very odd. Like, it feels like cognitive dissonance where you're like, how is this so fucking good? And how is this such a great twist on this formula without having come from the people who made it? And especially with like, my personal history with Souls-likes is mostly like playing them and not liking them. The other thing I really appreciate about this game is, you know, coming from the only other Souls-like that I really, really enjoyed that's very like distinctly within the genre, which is Code Vein. I really appreciate how this game managed to avoid a lot of the design flaws in Code Vein. Like, I think my big gripe with Code Vein from a design perspective was that a lot of the systems in the game, as fun as they were to use, they kind of ended up being time wasters because if you just played the game the exact same way you would have played Dark Souls and you just brute forced it, you'll probably be more successful. Like if you invest a lot of time in the game systems, at some point the diminishing returns kick in and you're like, I should just fucking play this like Dark Souls, shouldn't I? I should just have a massive sword and backstab everyone, right? Like, and that kind of made a lot of those systems feel a little cheap or thin. It also meant that that game had a lot of the same issues or design flaws as the original Dark Souls had because it's patterned so heavily after it. And it kind of meant that like a lot of times if you felt stuck or you were at a place where you're having difficulty, you had all the same options as you did in Dark Souls, right? Like generally in Dark Souls, if you're stuck, you have three options. You have farm, grind, brute force. So it's either farm items that will help you overcome the challenge, grind, so that you can level up your character to help you overcome the challenge or just brute force it, bash your head against it as long and hard as you can. And eventually you'll get past the obstacle. Now, 
I don't say that as a criticism because that's like why a lot of us love those games and that's part of the design of those games. But I think that with Souls likes, it kind of behooves these creators to try something different because people already get that from from soft. We already like that experience. We get this like perfect version of it from them. So when we're playing other games, it's like, huh, wouldn't it be more fun to like not do that or have a game that's more flexible, player friendly, has different systems for us to engage in. And it's just weird when you play something like Code Bay and you're like, oh, this is exactly the same, right? Lies of P, funny enough, is not like that. Despite how much influence it pulls from from soft games, it doesn't fall into those same traps. It has a totally different like game flow, has a totally different way you're supposed to approach these levels and the world. And it's really, really fucking cool. I think that it's a game that really heavily rewards you for engaging with its systems and mechanics. It doesn't feel like you're wasting your time engaging with those things. And yeah, like I said, I feel like if you do, the game is actually pretty fun and breezy and it's not that hard. Uh, I have not had a hard time at all with Lies of P, especially with the bosses. I would say I've had more difficulty getting through certain areas than I have with um, facing down a lot of the bosses. I've beat most of them on the first try. It's still really fun and the fights are really good, but it's just it's just not that like brutally difficult. Um, and I like that. I think that's a great thing about this game. And I know that there are a lot of people out there who are having a really hard time with this game. And even I did when I was first trying to get into it. And I think that's mostly like soul's brain issue where you're trying to play it like dark souls or you're trying to play it like bloodborne. And it's like, dude, it's not either of those games. It's not even Sekiro, which I think it maybe pulls the most influence from it's its own distinct thing. And it kicks so much ass. The last thing I want to talk about here is the world design and visual design, the general vibe, style and aesthetic of the game. Um, they're great. So going into it, I wasn't sure what to think because it felt so much like Bloodborne, especially that demo. Um, it just felt so much like Bloodborne, like it's like this European setting vaguely somewhere between 1600 and 1900 right like there's touches from these different eras like of european history um and it's all dark and horrific and so you know it was just like oh it's it's just bloodborne right but the deeper you get into this game and the more areas you see the more you realize it's actually really cool and unique um this game is you know famously by now based on the story of Pinocchio, um, which also, I mean, I remember reading the original book of Pinocchio as a kid, and that was kind of one of those classic, you know, discoveries for some kids to make. That's like, oh, the original story is actually much darker and weirder than like the Disney version of it. And it's actually this really interesting, you know, story. But so, you know, once again, it's a vague European setting, a lot of touches from maybe the 1600s, 1700s, but it's also distinctly industrial feeling. There's a ton of clockwork stuff. The puppets in this game are also, you know, more or less just analog robots full of gears and clockwork stuff. Um, but it's very, very cool. It's a destroyed and ruined world, as we expect from a Souls-like game but the world that is destroyed is this very beautiful 
opulent, you know, kind of vaguely Italian feeling setting. So you've got towns, villages, opera houses. Uh, right now I'm in this kind of, you know, they call it an arcade or a galleria. It's like a shopping center, but very old fashioned, very beautiful. The main hub in the game is this huge ornate hotel that's full of all these interesting characters. Just like in, you know, maybe something like Dark Souls 3, it slowly populates as you explore the game. So there's more cool people to talk to and interact with. There's really interesting kind of minimal story and lore, as we also expect that I really like. There actually is a very cool narrative here, I feel. And I also feel it's maybe it's a little more of like uh, easy to follow explicit narrative style than we'd expect from something like Dark Souls or Bloodborne. Um, but it's really good still, and it's still relatively minimal. I like it a lot. The voice acting is good. Um, I think the writing is good. Uh, yeah, it's just been a, a joy to explore this world and to kind of see what's next. Um, the bosses and mini bosses are really fun and frequently unexpected. Um, very cool to explore that as well, just like we expect from a FromSoft game. Um, and yeah, I, I think the setting of Pinocchio is played in a very interesting and fun way. Uh, there's more and more things to discover. There's also kind of a weird, vague mechanic about you doing things that makes you more human that I really like. Uh, I won't talk too much about it because I think discovering some of those things is part of the fun of the game. It's, it's small, um, but I think it's more fun for players to um, explore and experience that stuff for yourself. A lot of it's very intuitive, so it's kind of fun to be like, I think if I do this, this will happen, and then to like watch it happen. Yeah, I don't know. It's just like such a good game. They've made such a fun, good take on a Souls-like game that's also set in such a cool world, and it's executed at such a high level of quality in design that, yeah, it does feel like a FromSoft game. I mean, that's the thing. You, if you see people online saying that like it feels like FromSoft made this, it's because the game is very, very high quality. And also it's very self-assured. I think that's one quality that we associate with FromSoft games that we don't always see in Souls-likes is that like the game is very confident and self-assured. It's like, here's the systems, here's how they work. You need to learn them and you need to use them. If you don't, the game's impossible, right? A lot of times, because Souls-likes are so heavily patterned after FromSoft, you don't get A, that quality of mechanics, and B, that confidence in said mechanics. So it usually just kind of defaults back to super basic Dark Souls mechanics and then just like unbelievably punishing gameplay uh, just to kind of make up for the kind of slipshod design. This is not that kind of game. It's a fantastic game. There's so much more even that I could talk about stuff that I think is really cool. Like when you defeat bosses, you get their souls like in Dark Souls, um, but it's actually more of a Demon Souls style thing you can do with those souls where you can either consume it to get souls to upgrade your character. You can sell it to a dude to get like a unique weapon, but you can also sell it to the same dude and get an amulet instead, which is like this game's version of rings from Dark Souls. It's such a cool mechanic. It's really fun. It opens up the possibilities of like what you can do with um, a system like that. And it's also just fun to use because the game is not as hard or punishing as 
the average FromSoft game. And I think that's like another huge thing to harp on here. I mentioned it earlier when I was talking about difficulty balance, but the difficulty being so balanced means that you are freer, more free to experiment and just fuck around with the game and just try and break it, try and mess with the mechanics. And that's like my favorite shit. That's why I love Dark Souls 2 so much. That's why I love Elden Ring so much because like the game just lets you fuck around with these mechanics and experiment and try stuff. I think that in those games, you still did kind of get punished for doing that because you would need to go grind out souls and materials and stuff to do that. Um, but I appreciated how flexible those games were. In Lies of P, it's fun because a lot of that stuff doesn't cost that much resources, if any at all. Like the whole weapon system is built around just experimentation that doesn't require grinding, farming, whatever. And I love that. I think it makes this game so fun to play. It's just an absolute joy. I, like I said, I haven't really felt stuck. If you are, you know, technically stuck on something, you have so many options. You have so many things to try. So just like fuck around, have fun, see what happens. That's like the spirit of this game. And uh, yeah, I fucking love it. It's a fantastic game. Uh, I'm having so much fun. I'm obviously going to keep playing it and finish it. I don't know if there'll be like more content about it or a main episode or anything. Because like I said, I'm going to put this up on the main feed um, in January. Um, but yeah, for now, I'm loving this game. I'm having a ton of fun. If you guys are at all interested in this style of game or you just think it looks cool, I really, really think you should check it out and play it because uh, this game rocks.